when you are in that deep, dark place, um, the only thing in my experience that will really bring you out is hope. Hope, that's all. Hope that something different might come along. Hope that maybe tomorrow will be better. Hope that this isn't all there is. Welcome to the Wayward Lasses All The Things podcast. In this podcast, we explore all the things that we have battled with and triumphed over along our own health and wellness journeys. Our goal is to provide real content for real women at every age and stage in life and to bring encouragement and community to all of our wayward lasses out there. Are you ready to make a change and start your journey to becoming the best version of yourself? You've come to the right place. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Wayward Lasses All The Things podcast. I'm your host today, Brittany, joined by my miraculous mother, Amy. Well, I, can't, I, I don't know why I don't figure out Miraculous. Why. Yes, I am miraculous. Hello, guys. <laughs> and the, the cool Courtney. Hello. Guess who's back? <laughs> she Yay. is back. back We've missed you, Courtney. Back. Oh, again. 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 Shady's back. Okay. All right, guys. <laughs> so this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we wanted to take an episode or two. We'll just see how this goes to kind of just talk about it. And not just bring awareness, but to just have a safe space where we can talk about it. Because I think collectively we feel people don't talk about it a lot. So before we hop into today's episode, Mother has trivia. So Mother, take it away, shall you? I do. And in keeping with the theme of Mental Health Awareness Month, I do have a few questions around mental health. And the purpose of actually me picking this quiz is there's still so many harmful attitudes, so many misunderstandings around mental health. People seem to ignore anything related to mental health or there's a stigma around it. So I wanted to give you ladies this quiz and see if you are able to separate the myth from the facts. Okay. All right. So number one, poor mental health increases the risk for long lasting chronic physical conditions like heart disease, stroke, cancer, or all of the above? All of the above. All of the above. All of the above. That is correct, ladies. Mental illnesses are one, very common, two, not very common, or three, fairly common. Very common. I'm going to go with very common as well. (laughs) That is correct. Well. (laughs) All right. The next one. Suicide is the 24th, 10th, 40th, or second leading cause of death among people ages 15 to 34 in the United States. Second. 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 I guess that too. You are correct. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of these. I'll go through a couple more. Mental illness cannot be treated or can be treated. Can. Can. Can is correct. And finally, mental health is more than the absence of mental disorders, only important for some people, or an important part of overall health and well-being. C. C. 
Pick number three, my lord. C. C. You guys got five out of five. Woohoo! You guys are able to separate the myths from the facts. So congratulations to you, ladies. All right. Well, thanks for the trivia. You're very welcome. That was fun. So we figured um, that we would go ahead and kind of define mental health. So mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make healthy choices. Mental health is an is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence through adulthood. So, I'm sorry, that wasn't really definition. It's just kind of an all-inclusive, you know, what is mental health? And there are actually six types of mental health that I'll briefly just go through. We have mood disorders such as depression or bipolar, anxiety disorders, personality disorders, psychotic disorders, eating, trauma-related, and substance abuse disorders. So for today's episode, we kind of just wanted to jump in here. We're not going to pick anything in particular particular that we're going to talk about, um, but just kind of share our experiences, uh, whether it's through our own experience, personal experience, or with someone that we love or a friend or family member that has experienced um, some mental health issues, and we're going to dive in on that. I can – I did it again. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, I can go ahead and start with my experience with regards to uh, depression. Um, So I didn't necessarily have – I didn't go through a depression. Um, my husband did. And it was the result of a few things that are piling up. So when we talk about mental health, it can be hereditary. It can be, you know, something that's as a result of your environment. And his was actually kind of both. So it started with, um, we had moved down here from New York and, uh, he had a good paying job. And shortly after, I would say less than a year, he ended up getting laid off, right? And for the man being the breadwinner, that's very devastating to know that you cannot, you can no longer support your family. And then going through, you know, trying to save your house, how do you keep food on the table, those types of things. And then as far as genetics go, he has a degenerative eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa. And it's actually robbing him of his eyesight, his peripheral vision. So the best way that uh, I can explain it is if you were to take two paper paper towel holders and you know stick them up to your eye and try and look around that way, um, that's typically what he sees. If he's looking into your eyes and you go and raise your hand, he cannot see that. If you're moving your lips, he cannot see that. If he's looking at your eyes again and you go and throw a ball at him, he's not going to see the ball coming at him. So take those two things and try and visualize or try and understand what that means to a man, especially in in our society. So now you've taken somebody who can no longer provide for the family, and you've take you take somebody who is used to going on motorcycle rides and used to going skiing and used to going on long drives, and taking that all away from you. What does that do to that person? So for me, it was I'm guilty. You know, all right, come on, you know, just kind of like the approach with, all right, you'll get better. You you can get over this. Come on. I could get over this. Why can't you get over this? And I think that's one of the dangers when we talk about mental health is we try to project 
how we would handle things. And we have to understand that that person is completely different from you, whether it's how they're raised or just being a different gender, their life experiences, they're not going to handle things the same way you do. And I started to notice he would sleep later. He wouldn't get out of bed. He would be disinterested. Um, just not even really talking to me. And I would just go and do my thing. Um, I don't even really know when it happened, but I think he was the one who actually realized he was snapping at the kids and, you know, we would get into little fights here and there. And I think he realized like, Hey, this, there's something seriously going on here and I need to talk to somebody about it. And I commend him for that because he ended up finding a therapist to talk to, to help him through it. Um, he ended up going on medication to try and help him deal with it. But I think the, the, um, how he actually explains it is that he's usually a good problem solver, but he couldn't even think of a way to get out of a paper bag, right? So that's how bad it was. He, he didn't even know what the first step he should take. So, um, when somebody goes through depression, at least for him, it's something that I don't think goes away. Uh, I think it's something that'll pop up and manifest itself in different situations, whether it be, you know, with him, his eyesight, he's always losing a certain degree, you know, uh, every year. So he, in a way, suffers a type of death each time a new normal arises. So he could potentially be going through a depressive state again. And for me, being, I guess you could say I'm the caregiver because I'm the person who drives in places. I'm the person who makes sure that, you know, oh, you're dressed okay, or you don't get hurt when you do this, that, and the other thing. Um, you know, as a caregiver, I think we just need to be mindful and be show compassion for that person and try not to, I guess, put your feelings and how you should be handling because i think that's the worst thing that you can do when you're when when you're dealing with somebody who's going through it you know the whole hey you can do it or ah you know you're just faking it type of thing um if i were you i would do this that and the other thing and that's that's really not the way to approach it so um that's, you know, it, it's something that we, we continually deal with and we struggle with from time to time, but it is, it is real. Um, if you look at him, uh, you will probably not realize that he's gone through depression and he's battling with that. So my advice for our listeners is kind of try to have a compassionate lens if you will, when you look at other people and you can't understand what they're going through, or you get angry because they're, you know, they're this type of person, or they talk to you this this way, it's it's hard for us to take that approach to try and look at it from their perspective or trying to understand what they might be going through, because we're typically not not that way. We're not born that way to look at other people first. We always look at ourselves first. So that's my story. So did you say you you were noticing it first or he noticed it first that he well, was, you know, probably going through something? I noticed because he wasn't getting out of bed till like mm -hmm. in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. And um, how long would you say it took you to maybe realize that you weren't being compassionate and then 
how did you kind of work through, I guess, changing your mindset and attitude? Because I, I know you and you're, you know, doing, you know, you got it. You can do it. Oh, just get up or just go for a walk. Just do this. Like how long, how was that process for you to switch that mindset and to, to switch to, towards that um, compassionate lens? Yeah. Honestly, I'm still learning. I mean, I actually did something today where I'm like, why did you do that? Because you just kind of fall into the same routine. But, I, you know, I, I don't – I think it's just very dangerous because I am that type of person. Come on, you can go ahead and do it. You, and that's not what he needs. It's so difficult to try and help somebody when you try and – throw onto them or apply how you would handle it, right? But in terms of coming to grips with it or how do I handle it, I struggle with it all the time because you get tired sometimes with trying to be the support person because not only are you watching them go through it and at debilitating health and not able to do things, but you know, you as a person now have to try and keep up that positive attitude um, and still support them. And somewhere along the line, sometimes you kind of lose yourself, at least for me, I I've lost myself. And I find that some of the things that I do can be selfish. Um, I think that's only human. So I have to have, you know, look at myself with, with compassion as well. But um, honestly, I, I, I still struggle with it every day. It's not something that I've been able to, to overcome. So that's really tough. Thank Mama. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, I guess I will talk a little bit about some of my experiences. Um, so I guess the thing that I want to talk about is my battle with I don't, I was never diagnosed with depression, but I did have a long battle with, um, suicide, especially, uh, during my teen years while my parents were going through a divorce. Divorce wasn't particularly pretty. Um, and I've talked to a couple of people who like would just generally go through, I, I don't want to say this insensitively, but, um, like hormones, you know? Um, at that age, because I talked to some of my friends now, and they're like, yeah, everybody just wanted to kill themselves when they were, you know, 13, 14 years old. Everybody had those dark moments where they were just, you know, wanted to just thought that things would be better if um, they committed suicide. And then as I talked to people outside of my friend circle, I found that that actually wasn't very true, <laughs> that not everybody always felt that. So um, I just have a, a particular group of friends that really... Um, had experienced a lot of trauma. And so it didn't help that we were all, I guess, moody. Um, and that not moody, the word, that's the wrong word. We were all really going through emotional trauma at the same time. And we were, our moods were affecting each other. If I could, if that makes any kind of sense. But anyway, um, as I've shared before on the podcast, I'm a very performance driven person. I've always um, been the star child in my grandparents' eyes. Oh, Courtney, she's the angel. She does piano. She dances. She always has the high grade. She's like a mother hen, always taking care of everybody. And after a while of hearing that, you start to believe that that's your value. And again, this is only in retrospect. I didn't know this when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. I didn't know that this was what's happening. I know it now because I've done the, the therapy and the hard work of having to unpack all of that. 
But looking back now that I can say that that was a huge factor um, because when my life as I knew it started to fall apart, um, when my norms, my routines, things in my life just started to change and rapidly, it wasn't um, a slow change. It was a rapid change. Um, I couldn't do anything to fix it. Mm -hmm. I, no matter how I performed, no matter what I said, no matter whose side I took, I couldn't do anything to fix it. And no matter where I would turn, I had no peace because when I would turn to my friends, although they were a huge part of um, helping me through this hard time, they each had issues of their own. When I would come home from school, I would have no peace because of the arguing and the fighting and the things going on in the house. When I would go anywhere, to family, anything. This is all anybody would talk about is what was happening between my parents. And when I would go to school, there was a lot of issues with um, girls my age having boyfriends, losing their virginity at 12, 13. And I didn't have any boys interested in me. And so there was that aspect of, well, no matter where I go, I have no peace. No matter what I do, I can't fix it. Nobody seems to even see that I'm in struggle, that I'm struggling. Nobody even seems to notice that I'm in pain. Nobody is helping me. Nobody is even recommending that I speak to a doctor or I, I talk to somebody about this. And to top it all off, my social life was like, you know, everybody had a boyfriend, everybody had somebody who liked them and I had nothing, nobody. Um, and it brought me to just a really dark place where I just, I wanted, I was tired. I was really tired of just going through the grind of every day, not having, not being able to breathe, not having peace. I just had this weight on my chest all the time. And I really just thought it would be, I would just have peace. Oh my God, it would just be better if I wasn't here. And in a strange, weird, bizarre way, the fact that I also did have my faith in God at the time, I just thought like, it'll just be better if I'm in heaven. Like heaven's so much better. I just want to go there. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and so my grandmother, as funny as my, as, uh, my mom mentioned, she used to take um, Xanax to help with her anxiety. She'd keep the Xanax in a bag in her pocketbook. And every time I'd go there, I'd just pop, take a couple, put them in my pocket. And I had a collection of Xanax in my room. And my plan was to take as much as I could and just go to sleep. And um, my story of how the reason why I never went through with it there was two reasons. Number one, every time I planned to try to do it, I, I just couldn't imagine what would happen to my brother and sister if I did. Mm -hmm. Because in that moment in time, I really felt like their protector. And I really felt like I, without me, they would be lost. And so I needed to be there to protect them. And the second thing that happened was my aunt. She knew something was really off with me because we were really close, my aunt Vanessa. And she just invited me over. She was um, actually, Brittany, I don't even know if you realize the story, but we had gone to our church or dad's church to watch a show and you ended up having an asthma attack because of the smoke, I think. And we had to take you to the ER. And while we were in the ER, Vanessa was there and she told me later that she could see on me that something was very, very wrong. And so she... Um, she didn't want me to be alone. And so that's when she invited me to her, to her house. And I started to get, she invited me to the youth group. I started to get involved with the kids there and different activities in the church. Um, I didn't quite know and understand my faith at that time, but the community of people who didn't know what was going on in my life 
and still just welcomed me and accepted me and invited me places, it was a breath of fresh air and it was a, it was a welcome distraction. Um, and then what I ended up doing after that is I just threw myself into that world because mm-hmm. it was where I found my quote unquote peace. I didn't actually fully heal from this until much later in life when I, because that wasn't healthy either. I actually threw myself into this whole other world, whole, whole other group of friends, just left my whole old life and friends behind and thought that maybe this world would fix what was going mm-hmm. on. Um, and I know that now that's what I did, but then I thought, well, why aren't more people happy and supportive of what I'm doing? This is, I feel better. I don't understand, you know, why nobody gets this. So anyway, that's uh, my story. As you can tell, I'm still here today. (laughs) I have gone through my healing process, but, um, it was a long one, a hard one. And it was something that I definitely struggled with for a long time. Um, and I, I, I would say, you know, There's a lot of resources out there for people. Um, But when you are in that deep, dark place, um, the only thing in my experience that will really bring you out is hope. Hope. That's all. Hope that something different might come along. Hope that maybe tomorrow will be better. Hope that this isn't all there is. And so for anyone who's listening who's going through that, um, you have hope. There is hope. You are not alone. You are um, loved and you are special and you can do this. Reach out to us if you need any type of support. Um, and this, there is a national um, suicide prevention hotline. And I actually think they're implementing later this year. You know how you have 911? Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have, oh, I should look it up. I think it's 998 or 988. There's a three-digit number that they're going to put into effect where if you dial it, it leads you right to the suicide prevention hotline because suicide rates are extremely high since COVID. Um, A lot of people just fell into a deep, dark place. And um, unfortunately, especially amongst young people, suicide's been at an all-time high. And also with the introduction of social media, cyberbullying is crazy. You had these young kids as young – I think I saw a 10-year-old – um, <sighs> recently who, who committed suicide with his, with his belt. It's a really, um, it's really, really, really horrible, horrible thing. Um, and we can, you know, do our part by learning to recognize the signs by showing kindness to the people who are around us, even when we're having an off day, you know, like you don't know what a kind word or a negative word can do for somebody. Um, and for yourself, find community, know that there's hope. Um, and there's a lot, like there's a lot of other things. I'm not a professional here, so I, I couldn't really give you all of the steps to take, but um, I can say that what, what saved me was, was hope was somebody recognizing and knowing enough to just, did, did, she didn't know what was going on. She just mm-hmm. knew that I shouldn't be alone. And so she just, all it took was just an invitation. Somebody just invite me somewhere. And yeah. um, you know, so that's it. That's, that's my end of, of um, my experience with mental health. That's the extreme. I mean, there's day to day. I have to keep my mind healthy things, <laughs> but that was, I guess my low, my low point was that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for that court. Mm-hmm. All right guys. So I thank you for sharing that court. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot to share that. I guess it's my turn now to share. Um, 
I've kind of talked about the, talked about this in previous podcasts of like kind of my own mental health and how I would just talk negatively about myself every time I looked in the mirror. And it really impacted the things that I did, the way I spoke to people, how, um, me wanting to eat right or get in shape. Um, so that's something I talked about. But something I wanted to focus on more in this episode is kind of what you both talked about is kind of having that um, the lens of compassion. And being a teacher really opened up my eyes to that because as a teacher, you know, you're not just my kid and I'm, I'm not just teaching you Spanish your well-being is also really important to me. So it was so important for me to learn about my students, ask them about their day. I can tell when something was wrong. If something was wrong, I, you know, I'd put my hand on their shoulder. I would write a post-it note and just like write, you know, are you okay? And stick it on their desk as I walked by. And with, with that awareness and having that kind of relationship with my kiddos, it made them so I don't want to say like, they were open with me, but they knew I cared and they trusted me. So a lot of things would come out or a lot of kids would come to me with their issues. I, I remember I had one kid come out to me. Um, he hadn't told any of his friends or family because he said that he didn't think anybody would accept him for that, but he knew he could trust me. So I definitely just want to say I agree with you guys in that of having that that lens and just being aware of kind of what's going on. I have a couple of friends who have um, bipolar and then a couple of friends who have depression and some of them are mixed. And especially when I'm around this people, because I'll, I'll ask, I'll, um, I'll say, you know, I don't really know a lot about this. Can you kind of describe it to me? And what what are some signs I can look for to make sure that I'm not putting you in a certain state? Or if you are in that state, how I can get, help get you out of that? So for me, if they're comfortable, I definitely recommend you know asking questions if they want to explain that to you. But because um, my friends have made me more aware of their certain uh, things that are going on mentally for them, I'm able to be more aware, even more aware than I was as a teacher. Uh, I've got a friend who I can kind of tell if she, you know, stops talking or starts reacting a certain way or starts looking off in a certain direction. I can tell she might, you know, start going down a certain path and might have an episode and I can intervene. So I don't have as much as a personal, personal experience that you guys had. I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of just being aware ask questions if you don't know and if they're comfortable with asking them. Research it so you know how to respond. Um, and having that the lens of compassion, of knowing that not everybody is going what you're going through. Then everyone has a different story, a different way that they need to be approached or handled or talked to. And just being aware that maybe, you know, someone's acting out or doing something because, you know, they're just not having a great day. So that's kind of my two cents on that. Yeah. I think too is, you know, when you, when you talk about mental health, it's not something that you can see easily. It's not a physical condition like somebody who, who's blind or somebody who, you know, is, cannot walk, right? There's no physical deformity that you can see. So it's much harder for us to at least I think, to show compassion because you start to look at them and say, well, come on, how hard could that really be? Or come on, really, that thing is going to set you off type of thing. And that's the danger when you're not aware of mental health and how it impacts 
different people at different levels. And it can, it can impact children. It can impact teenagers, adults, even the elderly. Um, and I think that's just talking about it and bringing that awareness to other people is going to help break down that stigma because of the fact that, again, we can't see that there's something wrong with you. It's an emotional being. It's it's an illness that's not readily apparent. So, you know, just reiterating what Courtney and Brittany had said, um, show compassion, right? Uh, I think showing an interest with your loved ones, taking care of them, even just asking them how they're doing. Sometimes it can be, you know, it, it might seem like it's a chore, uh, but you never know when that one time that you actually reach out to them that could actually make a difference in their life. Thanks. Thanks for that, Ma. And I would also say when you are in a situation when you are um, a support to somebody who might be battling with mental illness or um, any, anything like that, to also make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I, also, I had a situation where I had a friend who was really struggling with something and I wanted to be that friend that was always there and always calling and always checking up. And, um, and I did my part, but, um, I also had to draw a boundary for myself because part of her, um, and this is a totally different, you know, I guess topic, but part of her illness was that she found a lot of comfort in her illness And Mm. so she didn't really want to be helped Um, and that was fine. And then there were, that was for this month and then next month I need to be helped. I need this to be done. And so she needed professional help. She needed to be under a doctor's care. She needed to, to um, really seek treatment and she wasn't properly doing that. And I took a lot of that burden on myself because I'm a friend and I have to make sure she's okay. And, you know, she's really relying on me. Um, but it, it, uh, it put a real strain on things, especially my marriage. It was early on in my marriage too. And my husband was like, I know you want to be a good friend, but it's, it's making you not okay. Like you're worried all the time. You're running every time she calls, like there's gotta be some kind of a boundary, something, you know, and that's an extreme, I guess, case. Um, but I would just say to always make sure that you do, you at least have at least mental boundaries um, and that you are doing a good job and also taking care of your own mental health. Um, is Because we're not just talking about mental illness here. We're also talking about maintaining and ensuring your own just mental well-being. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that though too, Court, uh, taking care of yourself. Um, I don't know about you ladies, but when I start to say, well, I can't handle this or this is too much, I always look at myself with the lens of, well, you could do this, right? This isn't a big deal. What's wrong with you, right? Just go and do it. But sometimes, you know, you have to show that compassion to yourself because you're not God. You're not perfect. You can't do everything. You know, you can't make sure that, you know, Everything is perfect for everybody in your life. If you don't take the time to take care of yourself and make sure, and I'm not saying, you know, you ignore everybody else, but even five minutes to take a breath and, you know, meditate or sit down and do five minutes of reading or to have a cup of coffee. But if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't ensure that your mental well-being is good, 
it's going to translate to the people that you come into contact with, to the people that you love. Trust me, I know. So show some, show some compassion to yourself and, you know, don't forget that you are also somebody that, that needs taken care of as well. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback off of that, I feel like when we were younger and, you know, maybe you too, mom, I feel like mental health wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I'm sure people had anxiety, you know, there's the annex for that, but like being depressed and and things like that, I feel like it was just kind of hush-hush. Mm-hmm. Nobody really had that. I'm sure, you know, all of us had maybe maybe more people than I think or than we think had anxiety, depression, or some sort of mental illness or something like that growing up. But because it was such a shush-shush topic, nobody ever got the treatment for it. And I feel like now that we're older, because we didn't really have experience talking about it, um, it's still kind of like a, a shush-shush topic. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why I want to have this podcast today is because, you know, mental health is really important. Like we were, we were talking about it earlier, you know, people are so uh, interested and ready to like eat healthy and get their body in physical shape. And if they break a bone and there's like a, a lump on their skin, they're going to go see the doctor if something physically is ailing them. But when it comes to mental health, not many people will go see a doctor or go talk to a therapist or do whatever it is to make sure that their mind is right. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of stems from just just growing up and not having those conversations and not really placing any importance on the fact that your mind is just as important as your physical body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely All agree right. with that. Yeah. So I think we had a couple of, of ways that you can help yourself with uh, ment- your mental health. So just three quick, easy ways, and obviously there are more, um, but just three ways what you can do to help with your mental health or someone else's is one, taking care of yourself, two, taking care of your loved ones, and three, talking about it. So don't forget that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Talk about it with your peers. Talk about it with a loved one. Normalize it. The more we talk about it, the more normalized it will become. And that's one of the big aims of Mental Health Awareness Month is to to get the conversation going, to make it something normal to talk about. If we can go to the doctor because we have a physical ailment, you know, we can also go to the doctor if, you know, we're not okay, maybe mentally. Do you guys Mm -hmm. have anything else you want to add? Nope. I think I'm good. How about you, Court? Yeah. So I just wanted to share, there's a couple of organizations that I've gotten involved with over the years, um, particularly because of my story. Um, One of them is called To Write Love on Her Arms. And uh, it's an organization that was put together by someone who was actually trying to help a friend find treatment uh, and try to raise money to help her um, find uh, pay pay for treatment. And he would sell t-shirts that said to write love on her arms and it turned into a nonprofit organization. Um, and what that stems from is not only suicide, but um, self-harm. She had an issue with, with cutting her mm-hmm. arms. Um, and the other one is this is my brave. And it's another organization that's trying to end the stigma around uh, mental health, mental illness, but really mental health um, by having people share their stories about, their experiences and their recovery from um, mental illness and or addiction. So these are organizations, um, maybe we can include them in the show notes so you guys can check it out. They have websites, they have merch that you can go and the money um, 
they're nonprofits and the money goes directly to um, where, where it needs to go to help um, these people. So definitely check them out. This is my brave and to write love on her arms. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Please continue to support us by subscribing to our podcast as well as rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you love this episode, please share it on your Instagram stories and tag us at wayward underscore lasses. And if you're not following us, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Follow us. You can stay up to date on the tips, tricks, and short stories that we share or send us some love on our Wayward Lasses Facebook community page. Don't forget we have a Gmail. So if you have a topic you love for us to cover, email us at waywardlasses at gmail.com and our website, www.waywardlasses.com. We've got a shop and we've got mom's blog on there with some bios about all of us. So check us out. All right, Courtney, would you like to sign us off for the night? Yes, definitely. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You know that your support means so much to us. Until next time, we are the Wayward Lasses reminding you to keep it real. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Stay classy. Hey, who was doing this when I was gone? Ma, did you do stay classy? Not last time. I messed up. What did you say? All I can remember is I'll punch in the ovary. (laughs)